Hi, I'm Dr. Nate Shannock, and I'm part of the research team at the Ells for Autism Foundation. I'm Eric Egbert, the communication specialist at Ells for Autism. I'm also autistic, and this is the official podcast of the Ells for Autism Foundation for Autism. We call our podcast For Autism because it's a play on our foundation's name, and we love how golf has become such a transformative tool for helping people with autism. This is a this is our 38th episode of the podcast, and today we are talking with special guest Giasi Brooks Abbott, who authored My Mother's Apprentice, An Autistic's Rites of Passage. In his book, Giasi shares his experiences about of being raised by a single mom and growing up in the 70s and 80s with an autism diagnosis. Before our interview with Giasi, here are news and updates from Els for Autism. In our previous podcast, we interviewed Zachary Pike, author of the book Regular. In his book, he wrote about how he graduated from high school with a special diploma that excluded him from most courses. Near the year that he graduated, the state of Florida refused to honor the special diploma, even as an access way to college. He eventually was able to attend college by speaking to the school board. We asked him about the process and other developments exerted from the book he wrote. Make sure to also listen to the rest of the program to get an idea of what we were doing as a foundation during that time and learn something new about the autism community for our Today in the World of Autism segment. Okay, and now Today in the World of Autism, starting with Dr. Nate Shinnock and his fantastic research-oriented topic. My story today will cover the field of mental health, which is at the forefront of our awareness this month. I want to cover an excellent publication in Psychology Today, written by Dr. Claire Jack for Mental Health Awareness Month. The article concerns an interview with Carich McMurtry, a former Olympic rower from the UK recently diagnosed with ASD after being misdiagnosed with bipolar disorder for five years. For five years, she received treatments, including mood stabilizers and antipsychotics that caused her to feel mentally worse and lose consistency in her athletic performance. After five years of struggling to find answers, she was determined to be reassessed. She eventually received a diagnosis of ASD, after this, McMurtry permitted herself to be different and stopped molding herself to fit into other people's expectations and experiences. She credits this mindset change to shaving 17 seconds off her time and placing first on the UK Olympic team. A common trend is for individuals with autism without intellectual disability to go through childhood and adolescence undiagnosed. However, many autistic adolescents and adults experience other psychiatric issues, such as depression and anxiety. Therefore, they obtain diagnoses and treatment plans for these symptoms rather than aspects of autism. Notably, mental health professionals may mistake autistic characteristics for those of other psychiatric disorders. There are also important gender differences as far as the likelihood of certain misdiagnoses. 
For example, one investigation found that women were more likely to be misdiagnosed with a personality disorder, while men were most likely to receive an ADHD misdiagnosis. One recommendation for misdiagnosed people is to take the AQ50 or Autism Quotient 50 screening test and discuss the results with a primary care provider or psychiatrist if they have suspicions that they have symptoms related to autism. Additionally, it would be beneficial for psychiatrists to receive more structured training on recognizing ASD and helping to build treatment plans that may include relevant symptoms. Merrick, what mental health concerns commonly occur with ASD and what could psychiatrists improve, improve upon regarding working with clients with more information on our findings? Well, I'm glad that you mentioned this. Um, I think that one of the biggest deals as it comes to uh, mental health concerns is loneliness. And it could be loneliness without having, you know, a significant other or loneliness without having any friends or having any close relationships, especially because um, not every single person can rely on their parents and can rely on siblings for help or assistance. And it basically uh, maybe makes a person isolate even more because they maybe feel a little bit alienated because they have ASD. That's one of the big issues. And um, I hate to confess, but that's probably one of the big issues of why I am suffering. It, it isn't the only issue, but why I'm suffering a uh, from severe depression because I've never had a significant other in my life. And so it's kind of, uh, it, it's, you uh, have to have a positive support system to, to feel, you know, this, this feeling of maybe uh, giving it another day or giving, you know, uh, by being able to make the right choices or the right decisions, uh, if it's right for the person in, in, in the, uh, uh, that, that is having these issues. Um, also, another uh, mental health concern um, is probably, you know, anxiety. Um, I sometimes feel like that I can, re can uh, recite better from a script than I can, uh, you know, improvise or talk in public or something like that. Um, and 
the way that a person with ASD may talk, may communicate, um, and differences in communication can also lead to a way of feeling alienated, feeling isolated, feeling uh, like uh, uh, that they don't matter, that whatever they say doesn't matter is also uh, a mental health concern. And also, you know, the limitations um, of movement, maybe not having to drive, um, having to have people, uh, other people advocate for you. Um, it's, it's, there's so many different things that uh, can uh, coexist with ASD um, that uh, it's very much um, always a concern. And, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, psychiatrists, you know, can be good at uh, assessing things. But I also want to say that I've had uh, maybe not, I, I, I've had one or two therapists who I like, but uh, I believe that uh, talk therapy um, with a therapist um, is, uh, is a very, very difficult thing. It's, it's kind of something that we should uh, basically um, have some kind of way of, uh, of putting the emphasis on the therapist because psychiatrists, you know, uh, they, they have this rule book. They have this way of trying to figure out what's wrong and how to, uh, make it malleable or how to improve on the lives of the person. But the third, but the therapist is extremely important in that, um, Talk therapy, when it comes to individuals who have a hard time communicating or they kind of feel left out, um, to basically work on it and to improve the lives of individuals with ASD is also very, very important. Um, because, you know... Sometimes I'm pretty art inarticulate. I believe that many people who have autism have periods where they are inarticulate. And when it comes to wants and needs and everything like that, then one of the biggest functions of airing your wants and needs is to a therapist. So uh, I, a, a psychiatrist, is very, very important, but but a psychologist or a therapist, I believe is as important, if not even more important.
because you have to basically know the person who you're working with and know what the symptoms of ASD are and to uh, basically target it in a realistic way and not uh, look down upon it. Just, it, yeah, that those kinds of things. Um, so, yeah, th those are my answers. Yeah, those are, are terrific answers. And I'm happy you brought up some of the social factors that could bridge ASD with some of the co-occurring mental health conditions like depression and anxiety. I also think your point about talk therapy is really well-spoken. And just a quick aside, we we think you're very articulate, Merrick. Um, but talk therapists, you know, for people that go through those sessions, those sessions can also change brain functioning, you know, through mindset, through promoting better self-esteem and healthier coping mechanisms. There are a lot of MRI and EEG studies which show that talk therapy can also play a, a very important role in changing brain functioning. And that's often an argument that a lot of people make. Uh, they say that seeing a psychiatrist is much more important because it's the meds that can change brain functioning. And yes, that is definitely can definitely be the case, but it's not always the complete approach to managing mental health symptoms. And aside from that, yeah, we always, you know, appreciate you opening up about your experiences, Merrick. And, you know, I'm, I want to share just a little bit of my own experience here, given that it is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I've struggled as well uh, a lot with depression and anxiety throughout my life. I had a bit of a, a quarter life crisis uh, in my early 20s, which I actually wrote about in a, a recent book that I published called Pursuing Purpose. But, you know, at the time I was feeling very lost and unsure of what the future would hold for me and um, just felt like I was kind of floating along without much purpose or really without a plan or a way of of um, forming meaningful connections with people. And, you know, mental health is, is something that affects millions and millions of people around the world. And I think the more that we can open up about our stories, um, you know, I think the more that we can all feel connected on these issues and slowly but surely try to destigmatize you know, the fear of being judged or being looked down upon because you have mental health issues. And, you know, that's really what we want to go for here is, is to try to open up. Um, you know, I've, I've had panic attacks uh, many times in my life um, as a result of, uh, you know, difficult circumstances and just feeling overwhelmed you know, with stress and 
Uh, I think what Giasi pointed out earlier and also what Merrick is talking about when it comes to forming meaningful connections, that's so valuable. And aside from that, just making some, some lifestyle changes, like talking to a therapist, uh, that's been very helpful for me in the past. Also, you know, focusing on, on being more mindful, trying to create more space within your days where you can actually, you know, catch your thoughts and, you know, just check in on yourself and say, Hey, am I, am I feeling okay right now? And is my heart racing? Is my breath going, you know, way too fast? You know, maybe I just need to take a walk for a couple minutes or I just need to focus on my breath a little bit. So I know that's kind of a long reply there, but I did want to want to also touch on on some of my struggles uh, because you're not alone, Merrick, that's for sure. And um, yeah, I want to pass this on to you now so you can you can share your story. Well, I, I do want to. Uh, I, I hate to interrupt, but I remember one point uh, because I do want to give an example for what I'm talking about. Yes. So. Uh, you know, um, at the age of like 15 or 16 in the 10th grade. So I was seeing a lot of therapists at this time. And I saw one therapist who was like, uh, you know, a friendly uh, guy who had an interest in music and everything like that. So I talked to him for a while about music, about things. And we, I believe I saw him like every week for a while. And then my parents came in and he started talking about how I was manipulative and how I was, he, he just basically blindsided me and it wasn't like the comfortable guy who I could talk about music and anything with. He was like trying to deduce what was going on with me and how I'm a, a negative influence on everybody. And he, and I believe that was also maybe the meeting where he would talk about, you know, uh, Asperger's syndrome or something like that. It was something I, I didn't know about all of this at the time, but, uh she uh my parents uh wanted him not to bring up that i have asperger's syndrome but he wanted to basically disclose it to me i believe with my parents there but he also was like trying to say about how much i was a negative influence on you know, my parents, and I just wasn't able to function with all of that. And, you know, um, it, it just has to do with people have to, I, I guess that people have to understand all of the walks of life that a person with a mental uh, struggle or whatever it is, can't all the forms that one can take, and uh, you know it, it was just it was a horrible experience, 
And I've also had a few bad experiences with uh, therapists not too long ago. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's, like I said, it's about as important as, uh, um, as a psych psychiatrist. So. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I also will have to say, uh, for the story that you read, which was great, I I, I loved it, um, and it really hits on so many different things. But if you want to uh, read the story, maybe with supplemental materials, I will have you uh, check the show notes where we have added the link to the article about correct uh, McMurtry's journey of receiving a proper diagnosis, because I have a feeling that reading the full article would give everyone some levity and some sense of uh, liberation. But uh, yeah, the story that I have, um, I have titled it What Mental Health Means to Me. As you know, I am autistic, but also have mental health struggles. I avoided psychiatrists who were to give me a proper diagnosis for years because of my fear of medication so that I would see many therapists over the years. Finally, in 2019, I saw a nurse practitioner for a psychiatrist who diagnosed me with severe clinical depression and OCD, or instead was probably pure O, and she prescribed me my first medications, or some would say meds. I also became more open about what was going on internally. Ever since then, the month of May has always been important to me. Sometimes it doesn't matter where someone has been or where someone is from. Mental health is a universal equation with a solution that sometimes is very evasive to find. What we lose sight of is that our lives can be customized as rigidly or casually as possible. We are not robots. What we do with our lives is what we want and must do. As a result, allies could be can be helpful even if we don't know it at the time. I have found that discovering new things like such as movies, music, video games, foods, or dr drinks, and traveling has helped me find a new meaning in my life. Also knowing when to relax, to call a timeout when I feel I am being overstimulated. And to tie it back in, I also found reading My Mother's Apprentice and Autistic Rites of Passage to impact my mental health positively. What are some things that you, you could do that, what are some things you do that could positively impact your mental health? Well, I'm very glad that you mentioned, you know, strategies you use for yourself to de-stress and, and wind down, such as watching movies, listening to music, playing video games. I think what's great about mental health awareness and management is that there's no one size fits all solution. And I think what I would advise people to do, and this is something that I've tried to integrate into my own life as well is, is to really try to be more mindful in 
the day-to-day living and, and hour by hour and really trying to take note of the things you do throughout your day that give you energy, energy or help you rejuvenate versus maybe the tasks that you find a little bit more exigent or dogmatic. And, you know, it's important to be aware of these different tasks and how they impact you so that you can try to achieve a good balance throughout the day. If you're spending too much time engaged in in work, uh, tasks that are stressful for you, or you find slowly kind of drain your, your bucket of energy, then that means that there's probably a need in your life for some downtime where you're spending time with friends or family, just watching a, a Netflix show or perhaps, you know, going out and, and playing a game of tennis. Um, those are probably my favorite activities for winding down, you know, exercise and playing sports have been extremely important in my life. And you know, I'm somebody that does struggle with anxiety and getting overwhelmed at times. And I feel like exercise could be the best friend of someone with anxiety. It's a great outlet to kind of get the stress out and find yourself getting in more of a flow state where you feel like you're just, you're, you're in the zone and those nagging voices inside your head of worry are kind of settling down and you're just, you're, you're in the motion So I'm always going to try to promote behavioral changes first, such as looking at diet, meditation, breathing strategies, and and physical exercise. Even exposure to sunlight can be extremely important. You know, sometimes if you're working inside all day, uh, sunlight is something that's, that's proven to help provide uh, or help to enhance dopamine levels in the brain. Dopamine is a a vital neurotransmitter that helps us feel reward uh, and motivation. And yeah, sometimes lifestyle changes are, are not enough to really help with mental health. And that's when, you know, it, it takes a lot of courage to do this, but it's important to try to seek out professional help either with therapists or psychiatrists. And I just want to also say that there are a lot of, of mental health options, a lot of treatment options these days, you know, traditional approaches would be some form of talk therapy, as well as taking different psychotropic medications. And we now know that uh, there are, There are techniques like TMS, where you can stimulate different parts of the brain um, that have good effectiveness. There are also some some other very cutting edge approaches. Um, And, uh, you know, even some some really cool holistic ideas like float spas or um, utilizing cold exposure. So I, I think, you know, the more we start to know about these different options, the better people can try to select the things that are most helpful to them. So I want to 
On that note, just say thank you for listening to the May episode of our program. And we'd like to give a special thanks to Giassi Burks Abbott for taking the time to speak with us. In June, um, so the next month, June, we celebrate Autistic Pride Day, which is around my birthday, June 19th, along with Father's Day. As it is, we would like to thank our listenership and the foundation which helps support our efforts on the For Autism podcast. For...
could fly so high, oh, like a butterfly. I fly into the air so high, oh, like a butterfly. A moth is a butterfly without any colors, but what's beautiful is what's inside. Maybe a moth is just a butterfly trying to hide. Well, I'm just a caterpillar crawling around. Knowledge in my head, but my feet on the ground. Soon I'll be like an angel in the sky, like a butterfly. I wish that I could fly so high, oh, like a butterfly. I fly into the air so high, oh, like a butterfly. Like a bird, I was meant to soar. I will fly through the sunlight and even when it pours You can't stop me when I get a hold of the wind In the future your eyes will light up To think that I was once a poor caterpillar Will grow up and take to the sky like a flock of butterflies I wish I could fly so high Oh like a butterfly I'll fly into the air so high, just like a butterfly. You'll be surprised at just what I can do. If you nurture me and you see me through. From a higher point of view We'll fly together, me and you Well now I can fly so high Cause I'm a butterfly I'm flying through the air so high